we looked at some of the parables that he told. We saw that Jesus loves the outcast, that he reaches to those who are left out. We saw that Jesus loves the sinner, that this idea, though it's, it's familiar to us, is very powerful in terms of how we treat one another in this world. And last week we looked at Jesus loves the intellectual, the thinker, that Jesus challenges us to do more than just believe but to act also in love. Today, we want to look at another uh, group of people that Jesus loves, and that's the rich. Jesus loves the rich. Now, I know this sounds really weird, okay, but, but follow with me on this one. Because <laughs> the more, you know, we kind of expect that, 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 that the title would be Jesus loves the poor. And indeed, there are many passages in the scripture that address God's deep love and remembrance for the poor. And in fact, we're going to be looking at that in our next message next week. But today we want to talk about uh, that, the, the idea that Jesus loves the rich. Now, why do we want to talk about that? Uh, because basically that's us. Uh, most of us here, actually all of us here, if you look at from a comparative standpoint, um, here in the United States, we are the rich. Here in California, particularly here in the Silicon Valley, we are the, the richest people in the world. I think Silicon Valley has the highest number of billionaires in the world located in one area. It's like, you know, it's like unbelievable. And we may not feel like it when we look at people around us, but we are rich. And so we want to look at what Jesus has to say to us, how God's word really does express his love towards those whom he has chosen for whatever reason to bless with so much um, material blessing. And so we want to look at the parable that Jesus told uh, that's unique actually to the book of Luke and it's entitled The Parable of the Rich Fool. So you can tell from this title, we kind of know where Jesus is going here or where we're going, but I'd like you to turn with me to Luke chapter 12, verse 13. Luke chapter 12, verse 13. And let's go ahead and let's stand in reverence for the word of God. So reading from Luke chapter 12, verse 13, it says, Someone in the crowd said to him, said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Jesus said to him, Man, who made you judge or arbiter over, over you? And he said to them, Take care, be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And then he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns, build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and all my goods. And thus I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. So the main idea of this passage is that Jesus loves the rich. Now this has nothing to do with the idea that God loves us so that he, so if God loves us, he makes us rich. That's not what this passage is talking about. In fact, that is a despicable heresy that leads to despair and destruction, the idea that, that, that God loves us and so he makes us rich. What this passage is actually saying is that our material wealth is a gift from God 
It is given to us simply, not simply for our enjoyment, but really for his kingdom, for the glory of Jesus Christ. And so when we continue to use his wealth for his purposes, we'll find that we will we will truly find joy and fulfillment. And 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 we'll find the blessings that that God intended um, through giving us the things that he has given to us. And so there are three things we want to look at as we think about God loves the rich or the, the rich fool. First of all, we want to look at the idea that wealth is a gift from God that has nothing to do with us, that our finan- it has nothing to do with our financial savvy or our good choices. It's about God's grace given to us. Second, we want to look at what exactly is greed and why it's not good. And finally, we want to look at what Jesus' commands are to to us as the followers of Jesus Christ concerning wealth. And, and the idea is that if we bring our life and all of our practices under the authority of Scripture, if we use our wealth in the way that God intended, then indeed we will be blessed. I mean, really, honestly, <clears throat> you can look a lot at a lot of rich people, and we see them all the time. And we know that, yeah, some are happy, and some are miserable. You can look at very, very poor people, and we're talking third world country poor. You'll see that some of them are very happy, and some of them also are despondent. And so we see that the mere possession of means is not the key to joy and peace, that there is something much more in life, and, and that's really where we're going. That's what this passage is about. And so the occasion of the parable is the idea that there's this complaint by a brother who, uh, against another, regarding his share of an inheritance. And so Jesus is actually being treated like a rabbi, and he's being asked to, when there, there's a family uh, argument, oftentimes you'll go to the rabbi who will be an arbiter, uh, you know, and, and kind of figure things out. And so the request is to not really, he's not, they're not really asking him to arbitrate. He's just saying, hey, Jesus, you advocate for me. Tell my brother that he needs to give me what I deserve. So we see right away when Jesus responds, he refuses to be drawn in in terms of choosing sides. But instead, he addresses a deeper issue here, the issue of greed, which is really the core problem of this conflict. In verse 15, he says, Take care, be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And then in verse 16, he goes on to say that he, told, he tells a parable. And he says, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. Now, even in this very first sentence of the parable, there are some very important things to notice. First of all, Jesus does not say how this man became wealthy. It simply states that he's a rich man. It doesn't state that he got his wealth through dishonest means. It doesn't say that he is you know, a terrible person or that he you know, is an evil person. He, 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 he could be an honest, hardworking individual. And, and so we see here that How he got his money is not the issue, not the issue that Jesus is addressing. Now, the second sentence here is very interesting because it says, and the the land produced, the land of the rich man produced plentifully. What is the, who is the acting here? Is it him? No, it's the land that produced the wealth. 
that you know uh, when we look at from an agricultural standpoint and we're not agricultural we're not an agricultural society here we don't grow up in one but from an agricultural standpoint sometimes the land produces a lot and sometimes it produces very little it depends a lot on the weather, depends on, you know, the conditions, the seed, all these kind of stuff. Um, and so it has very little to do with the actual farmer because the farmer will do the same thing every year. He'll plant, he'll plant the seeds, he'll till the soil, work hard, planting everything. And it says it just so happened that this year, this rich man came upon some unexpected blessing that the land produced plentifully. So this actually gives us kind of the theological underpinnings of this parable. The idea that wealth is a gift from God. Whether we are in good financial standing, average financial standing, or difficult standing, it is ultimately because God has gifted us, whatever God has given to us. We may be very wise investors. Our investments may suddenly have a huge windfall. Oh, I invested wisely. I listened to uh, you know, this tip and that tip. But in the end, the reason why we have money or we have this extra income is because God is gracious to give us something that we really did not deserve. And we may even be frugal. We may look after our finances wisely. We may look at other people and say, wow, the way they spend, what they do is not very good, but I'm, you know, really smart the way that I use my finances. And we may actually fool ourselves into thinking that my financial standing is because I'm wiser and not foolish like other people and I don't waste money. But ultimately, again, when we look at what we have and where we are financially, it is always, always, always because of God's grace our present resources our financial security everything we have is a gift from God it doesn't matter how we got our wealth it doesn't matter how financial savvy we are it is because of God's grace and we know that we have been given what we have because God has given it to us for a purpose he has reasons for why we have a lot more or even a lot less than others. And this is the basis for everything that Jesus says, says next. And so we look at you know, this idea, first of all, that wealth is a gift from God. And the second thing we want to look at is what exactly is greed and why is it not good? Gordon Gecko was wrong. If you are old enough to, or to, to know this story, he says, you know, like, Greed is good. Greed is what made America great. But that's not true. That is absolutely, without exception, wrong. Greed is not good. Greed is not helpful. Greed is not what makes our country great. Greed is the root of all kinds of evil. We know that. Greed is the root of theft. Greed is the root of murder. Greed is the root of abuse. Greed is, greed is the root of um, of of slavery. Greed is the root of oppression. Greed is the destruction of friendships. Greed is at the root of destruction of family. Greed takes good people and brings them to ruin. The Bible's so clear, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Now we read this, and here's the thing. We read this verse and we don't say, hmm, 
That's crazy. That's not right. I've never seen that happen before. We don't say that. No, we say that's spot on. We see it happen all the time. We read about it in the news. We see it in movies. We see it in the people that we know around us. And yet even though this truth is something that we would all agree with, it's still so easy to be tempted to fall into greed. To have our lives and, and, and those that we love affected by, by our desire for more. So what exactly is greed? And, and where did this rich man go off the rails? We look at verse 17. It says, And he, the rich man, thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns, build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and all my goods. Now, is this greed? No, this is not greed. It is not sinful to wisely care for your wealth that God has entrusted, even as we look at God and say, this is our wealth, and say, this is what God has given to me, uh, it is not foolish to store or invest or protect that which God has given. That's why we have banks, insurance, investment firms, and all those things. Those are good things. And in fact, it is, a, it is an act of faithfulness to wisely care for the things that God has given. So where then does the greed actually come in? Well, it's always in the heart. That, that, that's, where, that's where always we go wrong, or that's where the, the temptation always is. Because Jesus, in the next verse, reveals the heart of the rich man as he, as he starts doing this. He says, And I will say to my soul, soul, <laughs> which is funny, I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. Now it's interesting he says, I will say to my soul, because this word in the Greek means, I will say to my life, my entire life, that everything that my life, it, it's, it's the word that describes like everything about us as a person, like my, my dreams, my, my ambitions, my essence of who I am. And he says to his essence of who he is, you have ample goods laid up for many years, relax, eat, drink, and be merry. So this is like self-talk and reveals how this rich man looks at himself, his life, and who he is. He says, soul, I have so much stuff laid up. My, I'm so secure. My future is completely secure now. So all I have to do is just relax, eat, drink, and be merry. Now, again, there's nothing inherently wrong with eating, drinking juice, which I'm sure he was talking about, and enjoying life. But here, the rich man actually says, relax to himself, meaning you don't have to do anything anymore. You don't have to, you can just spend your time and resources for yourself. Why? Because I have secured my future. I can depend on my wealth for my future. There's no God in his statement. There's no thanksgiving to God for what he has. There's no, I can devote myself to more activities for God. There's no, I can use my wealth for things that are important to God. It simply says, I'm secure. I don't have to do anything except live for myself. Now that's really what greed is. It is the continual striving for more, for the ultimate purpose of self. And the Bible 
goes so far as to call greed a form of idolatry. I mean, when you think about this, this, this idea, the continual striving for more for the ultimate purpose of self. When do I do this? How often do I do this? How often do I think this? The Bible says actually that, again, greed is idolatry. It says put to death, therefore, Colossians says put to death, therefore, it, whatever is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness in particular, which is idolatry. The desire to become wealthy is, in a sense, it is a form of idolatry. It, it becomes our God. It becomes a substitute for a, a place of worship where we spend our time, where we find our joy, where we trust our future in. Uh, I, I always wondered, you know, what if we think of our purchases in terms of time? Like when you buy something, when you think about buying something, you stop and think about not how much it costs or whether it takes up how much, what percentage of you know, it funds that it takes. It may not be that much. We say, oh, you know, I'm buying this. It's only like 0.00001% of all the wealth that I have. So it's not a big uh, expense. But what if we thought in terms of time and said, okay, what percentage of time is this purchase going to take out of my life? I remember somebody was talking about, oh, he's going to purchase a swing set for uh, his family. He thought, oh, really neat. And then he looked at the instructions, go, oh, I have to put it together, and that's going to take some time. And then he said, oh, and it says every month you have to uh, tighten each bolt. And that's going to take another you know, hour because there's like 30 bolts in this thing. And it's going to take another hour every month to just tighten those bolts. You know, and then he's, he's trying to think about all this time that this swing set is going to take of his life. And he's thinking, oh, you know, is this a good investment? You know, it's cheap, I can afford it, but think of the time that it's going to actually take for my life. So I, I thought that's kind of a, a, a good thing to think about when we think about greed, when we think about purchases. Don't think about how much money it's going to take because our money is unlimited. We feel like, oh, I can make more money. I can, make, I can work harder and make more money. But time is very limited. And so we think about, oh, well, if I buy this, how much time is it going to take of my life? You know, if I, you know, nowadays, okay, for, uh, uh, let's say, uh, no, we'll, hit, we'll hit hard here, Christmas, okay, Black Friday specials. Everybody goes, whoa, Nintendo Switch, maybe it's finally going to be on sale. I could buy it. It's going to be $100 cheaper now. Oh, $200 for a Switch. I can afford it now. It, it's not going to be that expensive for me. I can afford it. Don't think of it in terms of cost. Think of it in terms of time. Think of it in terms of, okay, now if I buy this, how much time is going to be spent playing games? And think about it. Say, I work so hard. I already work so hard doing non-kingdom stuff to earn money. I waste my time doing that. And now I'm going to use that money to buy something that's just going to waste more time for things that are not of the kingdom. And we say, well, does that make sense? And so we think about it. And again, I'm not saying if, if I see somebody with a switch at their house, I'm not going to say, oh, you know, whatever. You know, you probably bought it before I said anything. But at any rate, <laughs> think about it. That's all I just say, think about it. 
Think about when you buy things, the time that it's going to take in your life. And recognize that that's a part of idolatry. That when we buy things and when we, we purchase things and, and when we put our money into things, that, that it's going to invest our time into that thing. That, that we work hard so that we can get these things, so that we can put our time into them. And that's a part of, of, of the idolatry of, of spending. And so it's not just a matter of, you know, do I want a lot of stuff or can I afford a lot, afford a lot of stuff? It's can I afford for the time that I have can I afford to give up that time for these things? Is that a form of idolatry? Would God want me to be using that time for other things that are better for me and for his kingdom and for others? Um, and again, that's like I said, just hitting hard. There's some things we gotta think about and uh, especially Christmas time. Uh, think about how much time each gift that you buy for yourself, <laughs> uh, how much time that's gonna take from your life. And we look at this, and so Jesus talks about covetousness, which is idolatry, and we know uh, the rest of this, what happens in this um, parable. Jesus hits him with a bomb and says, this rich man, he said to the this rich man, he said, you fool, this night your soul is required of you. The things you have prepared, whose will they be? And so the one who lays up treasure for himself is not rich towards God. And the timing of this parable is unlikely. That's why it's a parable because, you know, normally this doesn't happen where you just make a lot of money, you just saved it, and then right then you, you die. But basically, um, what, what Jesus is saying is that it doesn't really matter how much money we have, you know, how much stuff we have. Eventually, we have to think about our own mortality. Um, it doesn't matter how powerful we are. It doesn't matter how much money we have. It doesn't matter what connections we have. It doesn't ha matter if we have the best doctors that money can buy. I mean, it's all a matter of time. Our life is going to end. We, we don't know how much time, but that, that, what is Jesus trying to say about wealth in the story of the rich man? Well, the first thing he's saying is wealth can't extend our lives. It's not gonna make us live any longer. It doesn't even make life better. It doesn't change the fact that our lives are in God's hands every moment. Now, I, I do want to make note, because Jesus says, you know, and what happens to the things that you have prepared, whose will they be? Now, this is not a knock against inheritance, okay? So parents, please save up inheritance for your children if you wish. Feel free to do that. Write up your living trust or that type of stuff. But even if you don't, God will provide for your children. I mean, we know that. But what Jesus, he's not saying don't give inheritance. He's saying you have no control over how your money is used after you're gone. Meaning your opportunity to do something good and meaningful with the wealth that you have been given will be gone at the moment you die. So basically, those who are consumed by greed suffer kind of a double loss because not only will this rich man not be able to enjoy his wealth, like he personally cannot enjoy his wealth, but he will not be able to use his wealth for any good purposes. And that's why he is a fool. And see, this word fool here, it's not used lightly in scripture. Fool is, is described as one who rejects the knowledge and the precepts of God 
that are given for his benefit, that are given for life. That's what a fool is. A fool is not just someone who is silly and, and you know, crazy or funny or whatever. A fool in the scripture is someone who rejects the truth of God that is given to him for his benefit and, and for good. And so, so we think about this and we say, this is a fool, is one who is, is so consumed with greed that first of all, they're not able to enjoy the things that God has given to them. They don't know how to enjoy it because they're always worried about it. They're always trying to protect it. They're always thinking about, I don't have enough or I like this. They can't enjoy it. And secondly, they're not able to use what God has, been, what God has given them for the things, the reasons why God has given it to them. That God may say, I would, the reason why you had these things was to be able to do all these good things and you'll be blessed if you do them. But if we're, if we're greedy and we're just thinking about protecting and using this for ourselves, then um, we lose that opportunity as well. But he says, for those who are rich towards God, we will do both. We will be able to enjoy the things God has given to us and we'll be able to use them for things that, that are good for the kingdom of God, that will far exceed the value, the monetary value of that wealth. See, here's a man, he's come upon some wealth that he's inherited from his father, but his heart is focused on making sure that he gets as much as possible of this undeserved wealth. And Jesus says to him, he says, what you need to do instead is to be rich towards God. That this is a command that God says that uh, <clears throat> he desires for us to be rich towards God. And... <clears throat> And so we look at this last thing. What are Jesus' commands in this, par- in this parable in terms of to us to be rich towards God? And he says two things. He says, first of all, he says, be on guard for greed. And he says, be rich towards God. Now this, again, he says, be on your guard for all forms of covetousness. Um, <clears throat> As so we look at this, say all forms, like all different kinds, against all kinds of covetousness, uh, meaning there are multiple kinds of greed. Well, apparently so. Greed is is the desire and lust for more. It's all-consuming. Uh, greed comes when <laughs> confession for me. Greed comes when browsing on Amazon and the website. <clears throat> I do that all the time. It's on my favorites. And when I feel greedy, I when I feel like I want something, I poke that favorite and start looking at deals and even have your watch list there, the things you want. Greed comes at the announcement of a raise or a bonus. Greed comes when we see someone that we know receive an undeserved blessing. Greed comes in our heart. Greed comes when we see someone who possesses something new and shiny. Greed comes when we worry about our stock portfolio. Greed comes when we worry about our future. Greed comes when our children are accepted into a prestigious college. Greed comes when, we're re- when our children are rejected from a prestigious college. Greed comes when we get a gift from someone. Greed comes when we are cheated by someone. Greed comes when God blesses us with so much. Greed comes when, when <clears throat> he brings times of want in our life. Greed is indeed a God with a little g. And Jesus reminds us we are to be constantly on guard 
for the signs that this is beginning to creep into our lives and hearts. Greed. Right now, we really want to ask ourselves a question. Is there any way or place where this idolatry of greed is getting a foothold in my life? Because footholds become strongholds. Is there anything going on in my heart right now that, or my mind that's casting a shadow on a heart of thankfulness and, and contentment that comes from God? Is there any stress or, or constant un-God-honoring thought in our mind that relates to money? Because now is the time then to come before Jesus and reaffirm that we worship Jesus alone and we do not worship the God of greed the idol of greed, that thanksgiving is truly going to be a time of giving thanks to God, not waiting till it's over so I can go on the Thursday night special run. We watch out for greed. That's, um, God is saying, Jesus is saying, watch out for all forms of greed. The second command is, is to be rich towards God. What does it mean to be rich towards God? Well, the first thing it means is to humbly accept the riches of salvation, that God is offering something to you that he wants to give, that you can receive. Now, perhaps you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as Savior. And we, you may agree, even, we don't even have to know Jesus as Savior to know that wealth isn't everything. We have a lot of money, uh, but yet we feel like the money is not what's giving me happiness. We're still searching. Still searching to say, oh, I'm, what is that thing that's going to really um, give me that abundant life, the peace, the joy that I really want? And, and we even in our minds, we can't figure it out. What is it? Um, Jesus says, I have come that, 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 that people, that all people may have life and have it in abundance, meaning I've come so that you may be able to live life in the way that it was meant to be, even though you don't even know what you're missing, but you know that you're missing something. God says, Jesus says, this is what we're missing. It's, it's Jesus Christ. It's, it's the idea that Jesus Christ it comes to give us eternal life through his death that he came to earth to die on the cross for our sin, that he paid the penalty for our sin on the cross, that he rose from the dead to show that there is an eternal life beyond this life, and that if we put our faith in him, if we choose to follow him by faith, that he will give us this life as a gift. And this is the, the first aspect of, of being rich towards God is being willing to receive this gift of, of salvation from Jesus. The second aspect of um, being rich towards God involves um, what we choose to do with what God has given to us. And Matthew chapter six um, uses identical language in a sense. He says, Jesus says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This passage is, reminds us clearly, it says your earthly treasures, uh, cash money can be easily lost. You don't even have to wait till you die. It can be taken right now. Uh, but Jesus says, go for the treasure that you cannot lose. Um, go for the things that, um, that, honor God and, and, and you can't lose them. I mean, if, 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 
and, and he says really interesting, he says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And what he's saying is, if you really want to know what a person's heart is, if you really want to know what they worry about, what they think about, you know, just follow the money and you'll figure it out. And I remember at a very young age learning this lesson very, very uh, clearly. When I was young, you guys know I like music, right? And so I remember when I was in college um, and I got my first job, my first job, I was so excited. I got my first job and I was living at home so I didn't have any expenses. So I worked and I saved money and I said, the first thing I'm gonna buy is I'm gonna buy a really nice stereo because I drove my parents' car and my parents' car had just a radio and it has that hole there for the stereo. And I'm like, I'm gonna put a stereo in that hole there, you know, because I really want it. And I went out and said, and back then it was like Blaupunk was the best. I don't know if Blaupunk is really popular, but that, that was the standard of like audio excellence. And so I was like, I'm gonna get a Blaupunk. I didn't afford that one, I couldn't afford it. So I got a, a, a Sony and I was like, cassette tape, okay? We didn't even have CDs back then, it was cassette tape. So I bought it and I, and I, and, and I made enough money, bought it, my friends got together, we, we, we hooked it all up, he actually put it inside my car, put all the speakers in my car and everything. I was so excited and I was making all these mixtapes, mixtapes, you know, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy, we made mixtapes back then, you know? So we had all these mixtapes, I'd, okay, this is my driving mixtape, or this is my school mixtape, this is my broke up with your girlfriend mixtape, you know, all these things, you know, all these mixtapes, like, I'm gonna make all these and I had a whole box full, I was so excited, I'm like, oh, this is great, you know, I got everything. And then I drove to school and I came back, and my window was broken. It's gone. I think I enjoyed that for like one week. <laughs> and it, literally, it was gone. They broke my window, and they stole it. And I was like, oh. And then I said, okay. Then I bought a really cheap stereo that no one would steal. <laughs> and I said, I'm not, I can't afford to buy an alarm and all that kind of stuff. So I bought like the cheapest stereo that I could, and it was like, with all the nice speakers that I had with the cheap stereo, it was like, like a waste, you know, because it like, couldn't do it. But it was something that could play music. And I remember saying, well, I'll buy this cheap stereo because then no one will steal it. And so I listened to not so good quality music on my little cheap stereo, but God reminded me to say, if you're greedy and you set your heart on things, be careful. <laughs> because they can be gone. And I thought, you know, sometimes I think about, I remember even today, okay, not today, but when I, you know, this past few years, I was like, I, I, I wanna get a, 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 a bag for, the, um, for my Kindle and stuff. And I remember going through and saying, oh, there's these really nice bags, really expensive bags. And then I thought, yeah, but if I get a really expensive bag, then I can't leave it in Starbucks when I go to the bathroom because somebody will steal it. Then it's true, they do, they steal them, you know? And so I'm like, when we start wanting more things, better things, it actually can cause more problems because now my heart is with this thing and, and I'm worried it's gonna get stolen and it might get stolen because why? Because I love it so much and I put so much money into it and it is very valuable and other people think it's very valuable but now it's kind of like, you know, if I leave my bag on the chair there, it's like, eh, nobody wants it, it's so cheap. Oh, even if I leave my laptop there, my laptop's like, oh, it's one of those really cheap laptops, no one's gonna take that one. But if I had a really, really expensive, you know, $3,000 laptop, then I'd be like, I wouldn't wanna leave it out of my sight, you know? And so the idea, this idea that where your money is, 
there will your heart be also. Um, this is a very important warning to us. Yeah, we can get nice stuff. We can think about the best things in life. But our heart's going to be there. And, and it, it, it actually can bring more worldly concerns than it's worth. That we don't have to, you know, think or worry about things getting stolen or this and that. We can concentrate on the things that are important to the Lord rather than worrying about losing this or somebody stealing that or now I have to get an alarm for this or now I have to get a better alarm for this. Oh, now they're breaking in this way and I need to do this. And it's, it never ends. Another way we be rich towards God and, and Jesus went on to say it. He says, he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. And what he's saying, he just talked about wealth and he says, all these things will be given to you. Everything that you need will be given to you. God's gonna provide for uh, your future. God's gonna make sure you have a place to stay. God's gonna make sure you have clothes on your back. God's gonna make sure that your children have food to eat. You don't have to worry about that. All these things will be added to you. You and me seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, not all this other stuff. And know that God will provide. And you think about it, it's like, um, it's like water. Water doesn't have to think about flowing downward, right? It doesn't have to say, oh, I better flow downward instead of upward. Water just naturally flows down. If we seek the kingdom of God with all of our hearts, like that's where our heart really is. If we really believe and know and trust what God says that, that he will always provide for the, the money things in our lives, okay, the, the money stuff, then where will our money naturally flow? It will flow towards those things eternal. And so I want to leave us with three questions, three challenges, particularly this December, like specific things that we can do. It doesn't mean you'll give away all your money and live poorly or whatever. Just three things. Number one, how can I simplify? What are the things in my life right now that are kind of financially or materially oriented that I really could actually live without? I mean, it may be a little harder, maybe a little more inconvenient, but it's not, I can live without it. And it would take away certain worries or stress or time and, and really simplify my life. Not something that's like in the garage up in a corner that I don't need, something that's literally taking my time right now and taking me away from the things that that I really believe God wants me to do. So how can I simplify, you know, get rid of those things or let go of those things? Second thing, how can I bless? How can I use the money that God has given to me and really just bless someone? Who's in my life right now that I could take out to lunch and treat them to lunch and just bless them? Who's someone right now who needs something that I can just buy something for them that would make their life easier and, and just give it to them? It doesn't have to be birthday or Christmas. Just give it to them because I know it would be a blessing to them. Well, what are different ways that I can use the things that God has given to me to bring blessing to somebody else? And just think very specifically what, you know, this month of December coming up, how can I do that? And the last question is how can I give uh, with the money that I'm going to be spending in, in, uh, in Christmas time?
how can I give? How can I take a portion of that money and give it to something that I don't normally give to, but I know the money will go to very good use for the kingdom of God. It will really, really help. And perhaps for me, 10 years from now, the giving away of that money would mean nothing to me from a sacrificial point of view. I would never miss it. But maybe to that person or to that organization, that giving made all the difference in the world. So I want to encourage us as we think about this area, it's not a guilt thing, it's not a you know, revolutionize your life thing, it's a simple obedience week to week, month to month, to say what are the specific things that I can do <laughs> that God is calling me to do. Well, I don't know what that was. <laughs> um, that can show that, that, that greed is not my God, that money is not my God, but that I, I recognize that these things are, are, are God's love towards me as a, as a rich person, how he wants me to use these things. All right, so let's, let's go ahead and let's, let's close in prayer. Let's spend some time in quietness before the Lord. Let's just thank God. Thank God for all the things that we have. Let's set aside all the worries and the fears that we might have from a, from a financial, physical point of view and just say, God, please forgive me. Give me that peace. Let me really hold to your word, just even right now. And no matter what my circumstances are, I really don't have to fear. Because God, because God, you are so good and so wonderful.